0: Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? But if you close your eyes. Can you introduce me as Joker? We would be honored if you would join us. And welcome everybody to BTV. Another episode down and we are ready to go. It's your host Bobby Thompson and today we're going to be talking about my favorite movies of 2019. Now the year, it's 2020 so the Oscars are Sunday. I want to give everybody my insight about what movies I saw last year and... My favorite movies of the year. So the one thing I will tell you is last year I saw four movies that have stayed with me all year. Even though I saw one of them within the last couple weeks. Um, It was these four movies that I'll get to shortly one by one that stood out to me. They were absolutely tremendous, well made. They were, the the plots were great, everything. So I'll get into it right now. So I'm going to start off with the first movie of 2019 that I saw that I absolutely loved was, and everybody could guess, it was Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame to me was absolutely everything you hoped it would be, and it. The end of the Infinity Saga, the Avengers, it was a cinematic climax. It was absolutely tremendous. So, the one thing I'll go with this is you know, as we all know, it's um, Avengers Endgame takes place five years after Thanos collected all of the Infinity Stones and snapped away half of humanity. Um, five years later, the movie starts with, well, Hawkeye, you know, as we all know, he was arrested and was not in Infinity War to help his Avengers, uh, teammates fight their biggest battle they've ever faced, which is Thanos and his army. Um, it starts out with him and his daughter, his family shooting a bow and arrow, having a bit of a picnic, and out of nowhere he turns his back and you see that dust flying in the air. They were snapped away by Thanos. Um, then it cuts to Tony Stark and Nebula, who survived the snap. And they're up in space in a ship that's barely even flying. And Tony Stark is seems to be on his last breath. He sends a Hologram message through his Iron Man helmet to to um, Pot Pepper Potts, his wife, and seems to be fading away. Nebula sits him in the captain's chair. She walks away. You see lights flash beyond your very eyes, and it is the new hero, powerful hero of Captain Marvel, played by the great Brie Larson. Which I will say that um, Captain Marvel was a tremendous film too. So those of you who haven't seen that, go ahead and see it. Um, She saves them. She she brings the ship back to Earth. To Avengers Headquarters. Where um, Captain America, War Machine, Black Widow, uh, Rocket, and Thor are there. All... Wondering how they're going to bring everybody back and try to get Thanos to stop him and get those Infinity Stones back and snap everyone back into existence. But Iron Man's not about it. They go on a random planet where Thanos is literally deformed on one side due to him using, in his own words, using the stones to destroy the stones. Um... And you see that he says a famous line, and in my intro he says, "I am inevitable," in which um, Thor finally used his new axe and went for the head and chopped his head off. And then it cuts to five years later. The world is just deformed. It's just it's it, half of humanity's gone. Nothing is is going right. It's just. It just seems like the world has just become broken. It's broken. Your loved ones are gone. Um, There's nobody there to save anybody. And when all hope is lost um, out of nowhere in that van, you could think, you know what? I think this is funny because a a rat was in that van that, for those of you who did Ant-Man and the Wasp, you guys remember the van that he uses to go to the quantum realm, um, at the end, the ending credit scene of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Ant-Man goes into the quantum realm, and is stuck in there, due to, um, the Wasp, I forgot, um, what's his name's character, that, uh, Michael Douglas' character, Michelle Pfeiffer's character in it, gets snapped away. And he's stuck in there. So he finally is, a rat pushes a button and Ant-Man comes flying out of the quantum realm. Where he doesn't realize what happened. He realizes that a lot of people have died, half of humanity. And, you know, he goes and finds his daughter who is much older than he saw her last five years. He was stuck in the quantum realm for five years, but he says for me, for him it was a few it was a few seconds or a few minutes, few hours or whatever he said but he goes to avenge um the avengers headquarters where well that's before we see the um captain america is in a um support group talking about uh about how the world is now that thanos snapped everyone away and and you see how um, the, the world is broken, how literally Black Widow had nobody, her family was gone, she had nobody, and how broken she really is, how distraught she is, she's, she's a driving force in the Avengers, she's trying to keep everything afloat, whatever crime there is out there in the world at the time, she's trying to keep it going, she has, now that Captain Marvel is a part of it. She has her Rocket and Nebula together, um, the woman from Wakanda who Black Panther is with, and they're trying to keep the world afloat by trying to protect it with whatever crime is left, if there was any, so, um, the one thing that, um, with this, and I'm not going to go into this any longer because I feel like I could talk for hours about this since Endgame was three hours, um... A quick synopsis, um, they find that Bruce Banner is Hulk, Hulk um, you know how in Infinity War, after Thanos beat the living crap out of him, Thor didn't want to come out, well now he's. it's a mixture of, of Hulk and Bruce Banner into one, um, and they bring back Thor, and as you guys know Thor, who is just a, a god. Turns out to be a uh, really fat. He, he's a uh, drunk. He doesn't want to do anything anymore. Uh, it's really funny. The new Asgard uh, Valkyrie there as well. Um, but it's all one. Here's the point of it: is that um, the point of it is they they realize using the quantum realm to go back in time and get the Infinity Stones from 2014. Before Thanos even had this thought, well, he did have this thought for a long time, before this came into fruition about getting a gauntlet, getting the stones, and snapping people away out of existence. Um, um, They show Tony Stark has a daughter, Morgan. He's married to Pepper Potts. They're on a nice house on a lake, and he just does not want to be a part of it anymore. He doesn't want to do it. And... It's up to him because Tony Stark is not only just the cat, the literal um, patriarch, if you want to call it, of the Avengers. He's the one who brought them all together with Nick Fury. He's the smartest Avenger out there. He's the one who has the brains. He, he figures stuff out. He figured out time travel, and they all come up with a plan using the Quantum Realm to go back into time. Back They go back to the first Avengers fight against Loki to go get all the infinity stones and to build a gauntlet and to snap people back. Well, easier said than done. As you know, they they find Nebula from 2014 who was all for Thanos. She was un- she did not want to disappoint him and Gamora who Thanos as you all know in Infinity War sacrificed her to get the soul stone. Is there, and she's all for Thanos as well. But um, the one thing is that they use Nebula in her head has a camera that shows her memory, and they tra- And the Nebula from 2014 is um, using her memory, the one from 2023, since it's five years later. Well, nine years from there. Into the future. And Thanos sees that he won. He sees that. What his future holds. And it all. Goes downhill from there. Um, Long story short. They get the infinity stones. They snap everybody back. But Nebula from 2014. Is. Is. uh, Impersonating the Nebula. From from the present. And brings Thanos back. And which I want to talk, say the ending battle where everybody who was snapped away comes back and fights Thanos' army was one of the greatest scenes in movies I have ever seen. And talking about it still gives me goosebumps. Uh, everything about this movie was... It had comedy. It had sadness. As we all know, the, the one way that <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Doctor Strange said that they would win out of the 14 million million six hundred and five possibilities was one way was Iron Man using his nanotech body armor, getting these stones, and snapping away Thanos. And that is what happened. The movie the, the scene where Iron Man dies, the funeral, it, it was so sad. It it had actually had me in tears. That's how sad it was. But this movie... all Everybody for the... Since Infinity War came out... Was looking forward to Endgame. And when we saw the teaser trailers... The trailers, the um, the poster... Which I have on my wall in my room... It was everything you could hope for in a movie. I loved it. Um, the acting was great. I feel... The Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man, nobody could have played it like he did. Absolutely tremendous. Um, Josh Brolin as Thanos, absolutely tremendous. His voice is very, very particular, and when you hear his him as Thanos, it, it when he talks, it goes through you, and that's something that I feel movie lovers like. Actually, I think that they picked the right guy to play Thanos. I really do. I think everybody they casted spot on. Chris Evans is. Uh, Captain America, you know Anthony Mackie, Falcon, Sebastian Stan, uh, the Winter Soldier, even um, uh, Rocket as Bradley Cooper, and uh, a lot of people don't know it's Bradley Cooper because you can't tell by his voice. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, everybody who's cast in this film was absolutely tremendous. One of my favorite movies of all time. Now, and um, it there's a reason why it beat out Avatar for the most grossed film of all time. Over a billion dollars. Um, here's the thing when you go over a billion dollars in uh, in movies, in box office um, ticket sales, and you know, uh, everything like that, you made it. And now Avengers Endgame is a top of its own for, uh, as you guys know, um, I'll give you guys the um, exact number right now. As you guys know, For the longest time, it was Titanic that held the record. And their record was $2,194,439,542 grossed. That's crazy. And Oscar talk, we all know that uh, Titanic, the year 1997, when it came out, it was nominated for literally every category and basically won everything. That's how good that movie was. Um... Then, fast-track 12 years later, Avatar blows it out of the the water, making $2.7 billion. And it took 10 years for somebody to come close to that, in which Avengers Endgame did. Avengers Endgame beat Avatar here in 2019, and they grossed. $2.797 2.797 billion. So it basically beat it by 7.8 million dollars. That's how Avengers Endgame beat Avatar. Um It was absolutely tremendous. Like I said, you know, there's a reason why this is now the most gross movie of all time. And for those of you who haven't seen it yet, I'm sure the whole world has seen it. Um, I definitely recommend it, one of my best favorites of all time, but second I would like to uh, talk about is um, Joker, I have absolutely fell in love with the Joker movie, directed by Todd Phillips, and the one thing, when I saw Todd Phillips was directing this, I um, I didn't know what to think of it because when I think of Todd Phillips, I think of the Hangover Trilogy, Due Date, uh, a comedy guy, somebody who makes a lot of comedies. And for those of you who know, with the Joker, you know it might seem comedy, but comedic, but it, it's not. Uh, this movie is about Arthur Fleck, played by the great Joaquin Phoenix. I think Joaquin Phoenix in this role was perfect. He was tremendous. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Arthur Fleck plays a mentally ill clown, that's his profession, who is just treated like crap on the streets of Gotham. And Gotham in this film is, its there's, there's no Batman. This is before Batman. I just want to let everybody know there's no Batman in this. You do see Bruce Wayne, but he's a kid. Um, Gotham is broken. They're, they talk about a sea of of rat there's a rat problem in Gotham City this the, the film location they filmed um uh a lot in Newark, a lot in Harlem, Bronx, all over the tri-state area and it really was very very well made but Arthur Fleck, you know, he's treated like crap everywhere he goes. Nobody respects him. Everyone looks at him as a skid mark as you want to say on society. He's got a lot of issues. The one thing that his sickness is that he has uncontrollable laughter due to brain trauma. I've never heard that one before. That's something that's pretty crazy, but he sees a um a counselor that could hardly afford anything. He's on seven different medications. He's just crazy. He lives with his mother. His mother's absolutely insane. Um, he takes care of her, he does anything he could do. Um but He's beaten on a subway after he loses his job as a clown because he was he had a gun on him when he was in a children's hospital. So he gets fired, he's on a train, you see three pricks, three, you know, arrogant, smug men from Wall Street, um that just feel like they're above everybody else. They're they're harassing a woman where Arthur Fleck is dressed in his clown outfit, he's laughing uncontrollably, they come over, they, they harass him, they beat the crap out of him, and that's when the light flickered off in Arthur's mind that he's not going to take it anymore, and he guns down all three. Well, after he guns down all three, he runs into an abandoned um, bathroom in a certain park, and shuts the door, and you hear the, I, I just got to say this, the the, mu- the soundtrack, the score of this film is so chilling, but so satisfying and good. Every time you hear the music, it literally goes up your veins, through your shoulder, to you. It goes right through you. Makes you cringe in a way. It. it that's just how twisted the music is. It fits into everything. It was tremendous. I absolutely love it. I love listening to uh, the um, soundtrack. Um, he starts dancing and his clown face makeup and he looks, he looks into the mirror, and that's where the Joker is born, he, um, his, um, dream is to be a stand-up comedian, well, he does that, he meets a woman in his, um, apartment where you think that she has feelings for him, you see that in the movie, well, no, she doesn't, it's an hallucination, he, he she wasn't there, that's all in his mind, um, He's a stand-up comedian. You see Robert De Niro is in it. He plays a guy named uh, Murray. Murray Franklin. He's a talk show host that Arthur and his mother watch every night. Um, And you see um, that he is at the comedy show. And he gets up on stage. And he just starts uncontrollably laughing. And... Hardly tells any jokes, and Murray gets a a hold of this, shows it on live, and basically calls him a joker, and basically makes fun of him. And that's another part of Arthur that clicked in his head that you know somebody is famous, and he thought that he thought so highly of Murray Franklin that Murray Franklin embarrassed him, made him made fun of him, made him look silly. Now now his thought in his head is he has to go. Um, one thing is um, throughout the movie you see that Arthur finds out from his mother. His mother in the movie is obsessed with Thomas Wayne. Bruce Wayne's father. And you find out the reason why. She, she says that she used to work for him. But he's going to help Arthur and her get out of poverty. Well he opens up a letter and you see that. You find out that. Arthur is Bruce. Uh, excuse me, Thomas Wayne and his mother's son. Well, he goes and follows Thomas Wayne to this event, where outside the event is people dressed up in clown masks because, basically, Arthur started a movement, and uh, Thomas Wayne called every citizen of Gotham clowns. So that started. Um, he approaches Thomas Wayne, and basically. Tells him he's his son. Thomas Wayne tells him that he was adopted. His mother was insane. um, And he goes to Arkham Asylum, which was filmed in Harlem. And he gets paperwork and finds out that's true. That he was adopted. That Arthur was physically beaten to a pulp by his mother's boyfriends. And one instance he was beaten so bad he got bad head trauma. Which caused all this craziness. Um, Other than that, you see that Arthur, um, he kills his mother, he suffocates her in the hospital because she has a stroke because two police officers go to her home and harass her looking for answers from Arthur because they suspect that he was a killer in the three Wall Street guys, but he kills his mother, he goes home, he dyes his hair green. He paints his face. He has two guys who used to be work with him at that Ha-Has The company is called, um, and he kills one of the guys who gave him a gun and sold him out and got him fired. Kills him. The other guy who's a uh, a midget actually, um, and lets him go. And then you see the most iconic scene in the movie is there's these steps in the movie that he walks up. It's a very long uh, set of stairs. Um, this is in the Bronx, and for those of you who are wondering, this is a few blocks away from Yankee Stadium, so if you ever want to see that, just walk a few blocks, and you'll see those steps, as I will when I go to Yankee games this year. But, um, he's in a suit, uh, a maroon suit, has his face painted green, uh, excuse me, his his hair green, his face painted, all ready to go, he's dancing to, um some uh what was the uh it's a lot of music from space jam actually i forgot what the song is called and he's dancing and all that and then what it is is basically when he's on the stairs he's basically showing everybody this is who he has become and he finally feels like nobody could hurt him now he holds the power over everybody else not the other way around um He's chased by the two cops onto a train in which the cops. The train is filled of a bunch of people in clown masks, and which the cop accidentally shoots a guy and everybody beats the crap out of the cops. Then you see um, Arthur, the Joker, go to his scheduled appearance on Franklin Murray show in which Franklin and the uh, producer of the show. Tell them what's gonna, what the show is about, the rules and all that, and then the famous line. And I'm gonna put this in here right now. And Arthur Fleck, who is now the Joker, um, you hear these famous line, this famous line, and I'll play it for you right now. You hear him say these famous lines. Murray, one small thing, yeah. When you bring me out, can you introduce me as Joker? This is where he will be introduced to the world that this is who he is. He is somebody who is just trying to make people laugh, as he says. And you see throughout the talk show, Murray's making fun of him. Then you see the Joker's sadistic laugh come out. And then you see him turn it from 0 to 100 real quick. And he shoots Murray in the head Goes on the camera and says, and always remember, that's life. Well, the movie ends with uh, Arthur in the back of a cop car. An ambulance hits that cop car. His, basically, the movement he started, let's call it what it is. He started a movement. His followers bring him out, and he's, he's dancing. He shows everybody he's the Joker. People will follow him Well, he's back in Arkham. And, basically, he's laughing, and you, he's thinking about How Bruce Wayne just lost his parents. And Thomas Wayne is dead. Because he wanted Thomas Wayne out of his life. And he's in there. And one of the doctors asks him what's funny. And he says you wouldn't get it. The movie ends with him walking out of the room with bloody shoes. So it gives you the sense that he killed her. And that's it. But I'm going to tell you this. This movie was arguably the best movie of 2019. And I'll say it right here right now. It was the best movie of 2019. The plot was tremendous. The acting was absolutely outstanding. Joaquin Phoenix, and here's my prediction, and this will be my next show for my Oscar predictions. Joaquin Phoenix is going to win Best Actor for this. He won the Golden Globe for this Best Actor. He will win Best Actor for his portrayal of the Joker. And following his best friend, who is Heath Ledger, played the Joker won best supporting actor at the Oscars that year tragically lost his life due to an accidental drug overdose that was Joaquin Phoenix's best friend and in a way I feel like he honored his best friend with this Joker character and he's about to get a um uh an Oscar for best actor for this definitely 100% if he doesn't I'll be I'll be shocked. but this movie is also nominated for 11 Academy Awards that's tr- that's crazy basically it's basically in every category except uh, best animation, uh, animation and short documentary and all those. But for those of you who haven't seen it, go see Joker movie. It has nothing to do with superhero. It's a standalone Joker movie. You get everybody wonders if you're a superhero fan. What. How the Joker got started, there's so many different ways, you know, we f- like we saw in Batman of 1989 where Jack Nicholson's Joker fell into a vat of chemicals, he, come, he has a permanent smile on his face, you see there's a different Joker um, with the greatest Joker of all time in my opinion, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker where he has the cuts as a smile on his face and he gives different stories how his father put a blade in his mouth, made him smile, how his wife was was beaten up or by a mob or something like this gamble got in deep with the sharks and basically did this to be like his wife it just sadistic um now you finally get a sense this one is an angle of and i don't want to uh, put in uh jared leto's joker for suicide squad i don't think that really had that deserves much to talk about but um with this, you it, this is the mental illness aspect of it, and it gives you a realistic feel because there's people who are suffering from things like this, and you never know somebody could be crazy. I, I I hope there's no one as crazy to dress up as a Joker and try to kill somebody, but you know there's crazy people as well. But that movie was absolutely tremendous. Uh, to me right now, this is my favorite movie of 2019, Joker definitely. But I did say four. I actually take that back. I meant three. I apologize earlier. Three. And the last movie, best movie of 2019, in my opinion, was Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. Um, we, are, as a Star Wars fan, and I'm a diehard Star Wars fan, we all have been waiting for this since the Last Jedi, and I feel the Last Jedi kind of failed us. We were all excited. The Force Awakens was absolutely tremendous. You get, you find out that the villain Kylo Ren is Darth Vader's grandson. His father's Han Solo, his mother's Leia. Um, how he turned to the dark side. He kills Han Solo. I'm not gonna really get into it. You find out that Rey, who is a scavenger, you think she, she has nobody, um, <clears throat> nobody in this world. She's waiting for her parents. You find out that she's strong within the Force. And within the next two movies, in the in the uh, Last Jedi, you uh, Kylo Ren tells her that she's nobody. Well, this movie ties in everything. Well, here's the thing I'll give quick. This movie brings back a certain villain and one of the greatest movie villains of all time, other than Darth Vader and Thanos and all those. Uh, Emperor Palpatine somehow survived Darth Vader, literally throwing him down a ship and blowing up. You find out that he survived and that he was the voice of Snoke that Kylo Ren was hearing. Well, Kylo Ren fu- is informed by Palpatine, who is literally hooked up to machines, holding on by a thread on the planet of Exegol, that he is, inf- he is told to kill the girl, which is Ray, because she does not know who she is. He asks, who is she? You see Palpatine smile. Well, this is what we've all been wondering. We have all been wondering, who is Ray. Is she a Skywalker? Is she, How does she have these powers? We want to know where her lineage comes from. This movie gives it to us. I'm going to tell you right now. This movie um, shows how you find out how Papal comes back. They have to find a way to Exegol to stop him. Um, you still see uh, Ray and Kylo Ren see each other within the Force like you did in The Last Jedi. And now you find out that they are a dyad in the Force. And what that means is a dyad in the Force means you're both connected. You're connected as one. You're both, the power is one. So, um, long story short, you find out in this movie that Rey is a papal And I predicted this. I predicted this. When The Force Awakens came out, I said, she is not a Jedi, her lineage is from the Sith. And she came out as the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. Her father was Emperor Palpatine's son, in which he had his son and his wife killed because they did not want to follow in the path of the Sith. So, you find that out, you find out Ray how powerful she is, Ray and... <clears throat> and Finn, and Poe, and BB-8, and Chewie, who gets ki- who gets taken by the First Order. You find out, here's the best part, one of the best part of movies is you find out General Hawks is a rebel spy. Oh, the resistance spy, excuse me. He's a resistance spy. Um, he basically betrayed the First Order because he hates Kylo Ren. And we all knew this. We all knew how much they hate each other. They can't stand each other. Um, they're... And he gets killed because he lets Poe, Finn, and Chewie go. But um, they're on an abandoned planet where um, uh, pieces of the old Death Star are on a planet. And Rey goes to find a Sith Finder map, which is on that planet. And Kylo Ren comes there. He destroys it. They have an epic lightsaber duel in which you see Leia get to Kylo Ren, in which Rey gets his lightsaber and stabs Kylo Ren in the heart. And throughout the movie, he said, you wanted to take my hand, which, you know, she was very conflicted, in which Rey says she did want to take his hand, Ben's hand. And she leaves in his ship, and she goes on to that planet where Luke Skywalker was. But before I get into that, you hear, you see, actually, the Force ghost of... Han Solo, I was shocked at this, I was actually, I got goosebumps talking about this, Han Solo comes back and basically tells Kylo that Kylo's dead and Ben is alive, and that's basically what Rey did, when Rey stabbed Kylo Ren with that lightsaber, she killed Kylo Ren and brought back Ben Solo, and he says his famous line, as he said in The Force Awakens, before he killed his father, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. In which this time he throws his lightsaber into the ocean and that is where Kylo Ren is dead. There's no more Kylo Ren and Ben Solo is reborn. Um, back to where Rey is on that planet, she's burning a few uh, Jedi texts in which she throws Luke Skywalker, Anakin Skywalker's old lightsaber in which it is caught in midair by the force ghost of the great Luke Skywalker. Uh, Luke Skywalker tells her that he needs to show her something. He gives her a lightsaber, which was Leia's old lightsaber, which she's been saving for somebody who is truly worthy of it. Well, Rey takes it. She goes to Exegol because the ship she took from Kylo Ren already has that map to Exegol in which she has the whole Resistance fleet follower. And Another thing I will say that I didn't talk about earlier is that we see the return of of Lando Calarizian, in which he is still with the Resistance, and and he fights for them, and he's with them now, and he's finally a part of the Resistance. So, um, they get to Exegol, and Papalitian is trying to seduce his granddaughter to take the throne and be Empress Papalitian, and she's the only family he has left, and she informs him that she will only... Be a Jedi. She will, no, she will not take the order of the Sith. She will not f- feed into it. She will follow her own path. And she realizes that she led all of the resistance and people fighting for them into death. Because on Exegol, Palpatine had a fleet ready. More powerful. More extreme. That it will really end the resistance for good this time. Um... Out of nowhere, you see that Ben Solo finds his way on Exegol, and he comes across his Knights of Ren. He was in charge of them. Now they're after to get him, and out of nowhere, you see Rey looking to the Force, and she sees Ben. Somebody she's been waiting to see for years. Somebody she wanted to take his hand. And the per- she fell in love with. She fell in love with Ben Solo. She sees him. She puts the lightsaber behind her back, and through the Force, Kylo, uh, excuse me, Ben Solo takes his grandfather's old lightsaber, his uncle's old lightsaber, kills the Knights of Ren, and they both um, face Palpatine. And he tells them stand together, die together. He uses his famous electric out of his hands, and he finds out how they're a dyad, and they cre- and using that power that he has, he is now not deformed as he was on. He doesn't need to be connected to that machine. He's now back to being as powerful, and he actually takes. Um, Ben Solo and tells him, "As I once fallen, this will be the last time I deal with a Skywalker." He, he uses the Force, gets him away. You see that that um, the life was sucked out of Rey to help, to create to give Palpatine life, and you hear all throughout her mind. And in the beginning of the film, she's saying, "Be with me." She's talking to all the Jedi before her. You hear the voices of Qui Gon Jinn which was Liam Neeson, you hear Anakin Skywalker, Hayden Christensen, you hear Samuel L. Jackson, Mace Windu, Yoda, you hear all of them all talking to her, and she is one with the Force, and the Force is with her through a Jedi. And she realizes she uses both um, um lightsabers, and Leia's old lightsaber and Luke's old lightsaber, and uses it and uses... Palpatine's power against him and now officially we hope Palpatine is officially gone so you see that Rey is now on the ground dead Kylo Ren resurfaces and uses the force to give her life as I didn't explain this earlier she did the same for him when she stabbed him with with the lightsaber so she what um, Ben Solo did is he gave every last of his life to her they share a kiss and then he, he dies. So then now this gives them hope that the universe is finally rid of the Sith. And the universe could go back to being a great place. And now there is balance in the Force. Well, Rey goes back to Tatooine. Uh, buries the lightsabers of Luke Skywalker and Leia. And takes out her stick that she's always used. Turns it and it is a lightsaber that is yellow. Now, what does that mean yellow? Well, I've been reading around and what that means is balance. Both those colors. She has finally brought balance to both the Force and the universe as no one else ever did. Um, On the planet you see a random woman. Come up, ask Rey who she is. She replies, Rey. Says, "Ray who? And she replies, as she is looking into the distance and sees the force ghosts of Luke, Skywalker, and Leia. For those of you who couldn't hear that, I apologize for the audio. Um, she says, "Ray Skywalker. So, we all know she's not a Skywalker, but she will take on that name. And I read an article... Um, <clears throat> a few weeks ago and somebody said she didn't earn the Skywalker name in the end the Skywalker name earned her and that and I agree that I, I agree with that I think that she was different than anybody else she was so good and she did anything and everything to be for everybody else That that's what a Skywalker does they fight for the people who can't fight they don't you know, feed into darkness. They may have anger, but they control it. And what she did basically is she's honoring the Skywalker name and living on their legacy and will fit, And what Kylo Ren said to the Mask of Darth Vader finish what they started, she's going to finish what Luke and Leia started. So I will say this. I am a huge fan of Daisy Ridley. Not only is she drop-dead gorgeous, but... A tremendous actress. Um, Adam Driver has really grown on me. I didn't really know much about him until I saw The Force Awakens. He's nominated for Best Actor in the Oscars for his portrayal in Marriage Story, which is a movie on Netflix, but um, the cast was great. Um, The plot was great. It answers every question you have. The only question I wish it did answer was... Gave us more of back, um, more of a definitive answer and showing us how Palpatine survived all these years. Um, that's the only problem I had with this film. But other than that, I loved it. Um, very well made. The action, the cinematography was absolutely tremendous. Um, I highly recommend it. But those are my three favorite movies of 2019. And, and they've become my favorite movies of all time so far. Three-way tie in 2019 of Avengers Endgame, The Joker... And Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, which was the final film of the Skywalker saga, which it's very sad to talk about. So that's um that's all I have today for this uh, episode. Um, follow me on Twitter on Podcast BTV. Um, like I said, I'm gonna have a lot more coming up. Uh, my next episode is gonna be my Oscars predictions. Is this Sunday? February 9th on ABC at 8 o'clock, follow me on Anchor, it's going to be on Apple Podcasts, it's going to be on Spotify soon, so I'm going to have this all up for you by the end of the day today, so for BTV, I am your host Bobby Thompson, and see you guys around.